0: Hi, my name is Stephen.
1: Hi, I'm April.
0: This is the 3Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice.
1: Together, Stephen and I owned a seven figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in home
2: services.
0: 3Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically. Now let's get to the
1: podcast. Hi, everybody. We are joined today with our panel, so we're really excited to have you guys with us today. And we're going to discuss um, telehealth. Those of you who are listening uh, or watching, I feel free to comment, and yep. um, we'll be keeping an eye on those. Um, ask any questions, you know, add to our conversation. Um, as we talk about this today. So I think a lot of us, or at least in our field in ABA, we were kind of thrown into virtual services, telehealth due to like COVID and the pandemic and everything. I know personally our private practice, once all of this was happening, like in warp speed, like it was all warp speed. um, We did everything we could like to, during that like major shutdown portion um to keep everyone on on staff and on payroll and to pivot we had like all hands on deck like trying to figure out how to make virtual services work or, or if we even could make them work and, and like and i'm sure a lot of you guys were all in that boat but now that kind of removed from that a little bit and we've there you know we've had some time to try it out there are a couple of um i know ABAI, uh, we'll put the, we can post a link to this article, but there, um, I don't have that direct access, well, so we'll put put it yeah. but there, there have been a couple of, like, um, peer-reviewed articles coming out about telehealth and things like that since then, and I think it's, it's a hot topic, right, because we kind of get a taste of what that's like, and I think there are, we have, like, quite a variety, like, diverse um, opinions on, on if we should be doing it or not. Um so yeah, so that's what we're gonna be talking about today with our BCBA business owners and um I the- did
0: pull our group. Okay. And the group, um, our ABA business member or leaders group. Mm-hmm. Um, let me pull up and see what the final talent was. Uh mm-hmm. if I can find it. uh I can't do it. I think but it you, was you-
1: more I, I if I remember, I think it was it was more towards yes, yes. for telehealth. Yeah. Um and
0: i don't believe we got one now
1: and then we're like some babies yes
0: some, yeah. it depends sometimes sometimes yeah. mm-hmm.
1: so um you know i'm not 100 percent sure how many funders are still um allowing direct services um uh, t- that's something we can talk about but um even if not there might be private pay or um, you know Direct services, I believe, are still up, um, via telehealth. Um, but th- I think the big piece right now, is the super text um, by the BCBA and then the parent training. Um, so, yeah, so I think we're just going to dive in. And first, I'm just going to have you guys like just take turns and just let's get kind of a baseline of where we all stand, like our opinion on the matter. Have we done telehealth? I think just a kind of give everyone listening an idea of like where everybody stands will be like a really great idea so they know how to take our continuous like our, our, our like, perspectives, perspectives mm-hmm. like for for this conversation um because there again you know this is our perspective and this is just kind of getting the conversation started and and, you know, chatting about it. Um, with you know, a do you lot
0: want me to pull up the comments that we got on our polls first, or do you want it to? Oh, did budget?
1: you find it? Okay, yeah, I so. can. So we had sixty six percent said yes. That okay. Well, this you specifically said, "Does virtual supervision slash parent training have a place in ABA?" That was what you put, and yeah. then so in one group, this is just one out of three groups. Sixty six percent said yes. 1% said no, and 33% said sometimes. And so the sometimes comment, like, that we found that it's most useful in certain situations, like remote areas, immunocompromised children, immune systems in children, um, homes that may be unsafe uh, to send staff. Um, so that that or some, and those are kind of things that I had on my list, mm-hmm. too. And I'm sure we those. And then um, here are the other comments. There are more. Yeah. So, and then the other group, it was 86 percent said yes, 13 percent said sometimes, and one percent said no. I don't think supervision or parent training should be exclusively virtual, but it is beneficial to bridge a gap in service or provide extra support when someone can't be there in person. It's also a great way to ensure families that do not li- uh, live nearby um, can receive services. And then, yeah, yeah,
0: it was just that uh, yeah
1: I think yeah. I think that's a good te- like a good like sampling of mm-hmm. what. Um, the people on the group side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so first let's go through and like just get a kind of a baseline on everyone's opinion of ABA telehealth. And we can talk, we can include direct services in here if we want to, um, but specifically talking about supervision and uh, parent training. And then also I think it would be helpful for everyone listening to know if your, if your agency did provide telehealth or not Mm-hmm. And, and like how, how much and then kind of from there we can um, talk about like yes or no or percentage or the ethical considerations of what if you do decide to provide that like or if you ha- are providing it, what ethical considerations are you taking into play and all that. So, yeah. So let's start with um, with you guys and um, just um, go around and kind of tell me tell us all what your opinion of telehealth and if you're doing it or not.
3: We currently have um, a few clients we're still doing telehealth with, um, but I'd say during COVID, we did it as much as we were able to. Um, So we would have, um, we would do remote supervision, remote parent training. Um, We had a few RBTs um, that their clients would work well with doing remote um, services and others. We tried remote services with the RBT, um, but that was a struggle because the kid maybe had a lot of hyperactivity and was kind of all over the place and the parents had trouble getting the kid to sit and stay near the computer. Um, so for those types of families, we ended up transitioning to like in-home services, but like maybe in the backyard outside, you know, sitting slightly apart, you know, whatever the CDC guidelines were at the time and having to wear a mask for a period of time. So we tried to find work around as much as we could.
4: Yeah, I think we're we're in the same boat as as Robin just said, um, but then the next level I think that it has to go to is that these kids were kind of thrown into having these expectations where they can sit in front of the computer, and parents are able to kind of lead that session with our coaching, and these were never goals previously, right? So that's kind of where we tried it, and I think one maybe two kids we continuously did it for, but the rest of it just. It it didn't work out so well, you know, because then it was we want to teach a whole nother level of attending while guiding the parents kind of being, you know, the Bluetooth piece in their ear. There's just so many factors that played into it that it was so challenging for at least my team and I to come up with these solutions. And we want to add in another goal, right, which we didn't really know how long term that this goal was going to be where they had that expectation of sitting in front of the computer, now learning a possible um, Google the, I, can't I can't think of what are there, but like all these different Google activities that came out so quickly. It was, it, was, it was hard to teach that, us not being there. But it was, boom, we had services one day. The next day, we were expecting kids to kind of sit in front of the computer and parents to run the session with our guidance. And it was really challenging.
5: Um, at my agency, we did shut down for a month. Um, I felt like when it first happened and I felt like I needed that time to kind of, like, get everything um, in order, Um, and it actually was really nice to get my staff prepared and ready to go, Um, so we only had um, probably about five clients who could um, successfully do uh, telehealth um, without their parents, so, you know, the older clients who were able to manage the computer on their own. Um, luckily, a lot of our our kiddos had already been using a lot of technology in their school, and so it wasn't as big of an issue for them to, to use it at home. Um, and then we actually used a lot more technology um, to run our sessions that looked different than the, the data that we were taking paper and pen. So we were still taking data, data paper, and pen, but the materials and stimulus um, that were presented were more on the you know, technology base. Um, And then um, we did have some families um, with the younger kiddos agree to do like a 30-minute to 45-minute session where the parents could, you know, could sit and support the kiddo for the younger ones. But that, I mean, really it was only one one to two times a week. Um, I just felt like it was a lot to ask of the parents to essentially, like you said, I mean, run, run the session. And... I didn't have the capacity to really you know, train or to support the parents the way I, I um, needed to, to get them to where I, you know, I really wanted them to be able to run a session. Um, and we did um, shorten all of our sessions. Some of our sessions that were three hours went down to 50%. So they were only an hour and a half. Um, I didn't really feel like they could be on line longer than that. I felt like an hour and a half was pretty much the max. Um, and then for the younger kiddos, like I said, 30, 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And then, um, we came, you know, came out of COVID and, um, then we actually moved and, um, I felt like it was too difficult. Um, when I talked to the parents to go ahead and put all of my clients, um, on a wait list that I knew had been quoted to them for a year two year and a half, some two years. Um, and I know that I wasn't abandoning them, but I felt like I was abandoning them because some of them were on the verge of discharge and I couldn't, um, I couldn't feel comfortable with just, you know, referring them out and then being done. Um, and then moving on. My husband is in the military. And so we were stationed, we got, restationed. um, luckily we got restationed in my- and so I travel back and forth um, every four to six weeks. Um, and the only way that I've been successful with telehealth is that I have an amazing team. That is the only way that I have been able to maintain this. Um, and then also the hybrid model that I've been able to go back and forth and see you know them in person. I couldn't do 100%. Um, there's this for myself. I couldn't do 100%. I need that um, cool. physical, like, <laughs> presence. Um, you know, regularly. You um, know, at, you at know, minimum, minimum. You um, know, once a once month. Once every um, month and a half. Um, um, to, to, make to, to make it work. So that's, so that's kind of where we're at. I we have been doing the hybrid, the hybrid model for, for three years. Three years, um, three years um, and, it's um, and it's working. Is it my ideal model? model? It's no, it's not my model. ideal model. I would much rather just be in person. Uh, but um, Um, we're just not, we're not there there yet, so.
1: so. Cal Medical Billing is comprised of experienced medical billers and coders who specialize in ABA billing. Founded by a team of professionals who have worked as staff billers for multiple agencies, CalMed strives to provide a level of service and communication that feels like your own in-house team without the cost and worries that come with having employees. They offer billing and credentialing services with no term contracts and have served ABA clients across multiple states for nearly a decade. Call 213-277-7999 or visit their website at www.calmedbilling.org to set up a free consultation.
4: I think the other people that we had, and just to back to you, sorry, sorry Jennifer, um, we weren't taught appropriately how to Run everything online, right? How? Because we were just kind of thrown into this too. So I felt like I was shoving my BCBA's as many things as I could find. Like here, now do your programming. What was what was the Google application where everything was just on? Like you could teach everything on Google. So every single resource that I got, I was like, here, learn this, learn this, learn this. Let's switch to this. And so I felt like we weren't properly trained either at the way beginning. Now you know, now things have completely changed, and I, mean, I think that, that you hit it, where we're this kind of becoming a little bit more of the norm, but at the way beginning, I would send them every article on telehealth and how to make things work without even really having any any proper training.
2: We we went, we went obviously, like everybody else with COVID, we started going telehealth, but we also learned very quickly that, just like everybody else has mentioned, it's not it's not appropriate for every learner that we have and so we had to do we put together screening to just see number one if it was even going to be something that was going to be effective for the client and if the parents could even do it Um, and so we had a a handful of learners that were able to do actually do telehealth. Um, I think what was interesting in the article that they were talking about was the technology itself was was just Harder than heck to get under control, not only from our perspective, but from the parents too. It's like, you know, did you have the camera set up right? Did you have the right you know equipment you know oh we don't have internet it things are going in and out you know the rest of not only that the rest of the family's home so it's like oh try to find a a quiet place where nobody else is going to come and bother you or i mean that was challenging right there you know because it wasn't like it was just a caregiver and a parent home with their child it was the entire family and so you'd have interruptions that could happen um and it was like and it was like teaching, you know, like you're all mentioning teaching your staff. Like we were all trying to figure it out at the same time. What was HIPAA compliant? You know, how long should a session be? We can't do a three-hour session anymore. We need to cut it down to an hour, an hour and a half. Then teaching your staff if they're at home doing it, making sure little things like their background is appropriate. You know, are you you still need to look like you're professional? You know, I mean, there were so many other considerations to come in that came into play with it. That was just was as big as, as, big as where were going where we going to be effective with the goals and how do we rewrite these goals to to be um, productive and successful for the client. And we really, honestly, it ended up being a handful of uh, kids that we were able to do that with. Now, I will tell you that in Texas, the direct sessions are no longer allowed. For some of the funders, you can no longer perform direct sessions via telehealth. Um, However, supervision and parent training is still an accepted uh, modality of care. So we do, do still have some of our supervision Remote or um, or our parent training, but I wouldn't say that's the norm. Um, I don't think telehealth is going away, but I do think that as more data comes for the longevity of the of the efficacy of this, I think that's going to change some of this. It's just like everybody thought it was great to put all the kids on Google Meet during or Google Classroom during the during this, and now all of a sudden we've all discovered well the kids lost a year of learning. So. What does that look like for our industry? You know, now you're working with a child who has this impairment, and you're going to work with a caregiver who there's a reason that we're there for them to begin with. You know, and not it's just not going to be feasible for every client. And I think I think the bigger question to me is is what about? It's not always going to be what um, what the industry wants. It's got it's got to be at some point client driven. and What does the client want? And what does the client need? And, client need, and how is it going to benefit the client more than it benefits the field you know field. so that's kind of my thought on it And like I said we do I don't think telehealth is a bad thing I think it's I think it does help reach out and serve you know, serve, you know clients who can't come in or to hopefully keep that continuity of care going you know something's better than nothing in some in some, in some instances as long as you can continue to keep the quality going and that there's actual meaningful change happening through it
1: yes definitely um you know i I agree with that in the sense that we like it's not going away right it and we it's important for us not to just follow because that's what everyone else is doing right Right. but there are also like we found like you know, there are some benefit. you know, there's some benefit to it as well. And it does suit some families and, and some clients. So, you know, and and definitely when we when we were all thrown into it for COVID, you know, we were having to rush around and just do the best we could with what we had. And, and we were all there. But now that we're kind of removed from that, you know, how do we, what, what do we do? How do we provide telehealth as needed if we like how do we know if it's appropriate for that particular child or individual that we're providing services for and their family and is it you know i think i don't know exactly like what the long-term data is on it but it does seem like the consensus is at least from this group myself included that 100 telehealth for everything isn't really a great idea but there could be a balance there. So like with um the percentage of telehealth and you know and the direct service, I think that totally like that is going to be a very small minority of very specific cases, maybe that are receiving direct services for very specific reasons. And maybe I could see getting a specific preauthorization for a very specific reason for like immune compromised children mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, but so let's let's kind of focus on the – let's talk about now about, like, the supervision itself, the supervision of texts, And then if we have – I'd like to also leave some time to talk about the actual parent training piece of how. So, like, when we're looking at supervising techs through telehealth, what percentage should it be? And how do we know what percentage? And how do we know if it's effective? How do we know – And then also in that, like, you know, looking at the ethical considerations of, are we providing adequate training for the BCBA, for the technology piece, for just the soft skills even needed to to be able to observe a session when you're only seeing a little piece of it? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So so let's talk about that. Like, did you have anything to add to that? I
0: don't, but I just want to let everyone know because we have been getting just a couple of issues (laughs) i i apologize for the this lowness of the stream at this point oh. so like uh, on facebook we're slow but when the recording is done like when we've submitted it you'll be able to pl- watch it with us going at regular, regular speed, speed. Okay. <laughs> we won't be in slow motion uh so it, you may if this is making you seasick or anything you may just want to <laughs> wait until we're done and then pose your questions um yeah so the one we do have one um one uh, uh facebook post saying we we have an appropriateness for telehealth assessment
1: right
4: which is a
0: great idea yeah. and i think that that's the link that we're going to share too is yeah uh, i can't remember where they have a like a yes or no questionnaire mm-hmm. uh to yeah. help you with the appropriateness of definitely
1: i do yes. think for direct services and for uh supervision and for parent training i think having something like that but that's Okay. Well, I'm just going to give them a chance yep. to talk about And then we have one
0: other, one, a couple of other ones. What research designs are being used to validate, investigate the effic- efficacy of remote programming? And what designs should be used and why? So I'll throw all of that out there.
2: We have an appropriate checklist as well, just... Uh, and that's what we we, and, um, we had put that together during COVID just to be able not only for the clients, but for our staff, because not all staff is going to be trained um, and they're not all going to be um, just the skill set is not there. Not just not just for um, we also have it. I think one of the I think like talking about considerations, the competency of your BCBA in the terms of. A brand new BCBA is obviously not going to have as strong a skill set as a more seasoned BCBA. So, they're going to a, a more seasoned BCBA can read between the lines on some things when they're doing remote supervision. Um, whereas a new BCBA, you're they're trying they're just trying to figure things out a lot of times. And it's not to say that that can't that's not a skill set that they won't develop. But I do think the competency of the BCDA is a huge factor and it is under the ethical guidelines that are you competent in this area? Um, So that to me from an ethical consideration is something that has to be taken into consideration, not just is the client, is this an appropriate setting for the client? We have to make sure that our BCDA is like you were saying to your point about being trained, not just in technology, but in that skill set of leading from that position. Um, Percentage-wise, I'm with Mallory. I do think that the majority—I would say 90%—of your time should be um, in person if it's if it's feasible. Again, taking out outlier information, um, you're never going to get the same results and the same relationships and the same feedback from a from a telehealth perspective as you would in a in a personal relationship. You you will miss things. Um, one thing I could see as an issue is if Uh, if if it turned into something that's all supervision on telehealth but your staff is there with the caregiver there's going to be a lot of talking that goes on that you're not going to be aware of as the bcba and other decisions could be being made without your knowledge because you aren't able to be um in in that kind of a position i and i and i that's something that happens times now when you're when you have in-home therapy because of those relationships that are built I can't even imagine how much harder that would be from a remote position. So that would but Yeah, that's kind of where, where, where my thoughts are on that.
5: For, for me, though, Jennifer, like I don't feel like um, like you said, it does happen. Um, I feel like it happens. Yeah. Whether you're. Um, in home or, you know, on telehealth, like it, it happens because we can't be at every session, every single minute of every single day. Right. And in general, we have to have this level of trust for all of our staff, for all of our RBTs, and all of our VCBAs um, to be, you know, to be able to hold those boundaries. Um, And that that is hard. It is hard. There's definitely moments where I've had to like reel things back in and like, hey, you know, even though I'm not there in person and I can't just pop in physically. Doesn't mean I can't pop in, right, telehealth-wise. Um, but I've also had to set those boundaries of like, um, it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I don't, I, I don't plan necessarily supervision with the families. Um, I plan sometimes supervision with my techs, but um, it's understood at my practice that if your child is getting ABA services, that I can get on whenever, whenever I, I want to or whenever I you know need to. Um, that being said sometimes it is frustrating because i have you know cancellations and then I, I have to like try to get you know scramble to figure out what other you know tech i can um, hop onto and then hope that the family, the parents will answer my text message, right? Because sometimes they're busy with what's going on at home. And so then I'm like twiddling my thumbs for 15 minutes, you know, so that, that can be kind of hard, but, um, that, that is the expectation. I think that, um, if you can hold that boundary, I think that that's important. Um, you know, the supervision, like you said, if I could do hundred percent in person, that's what, that's what I would want.
2: And I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to say that it's not a trust thing from the staff. I'm just saying it's little tiny things. I mean, it can be something as little as... He didn't sleep well. The child didn't sleep well last night. And so there was this. I mean, it's the little tiny it's you know, devil's in the details sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if you're right. If you have a great team and you trust them and everybody knows the boundaries, then that's not something to worry about. But it's the little tiny things that happen once in a while that all of a sudden you're not aware of until later. It's something and it, it could be the most innocent thing, you know. And just those relationships in general, you know, if you've got staff going into a home, they're They're building a better, not a better, but a different relationship, even no matter how professional we try to stay, there's still a little bit of a different relationship there at times.
1: At Element RCM, our vision is a childhood for every child, and our mission is to strengthen all who improve the lives of children. How do we do that? Through our billing and insurance expertise that we've gained with our founding team's 20 plus years of expertise in the ABA field. We have a singular value proposition to improve your cash collection rate and velocity. We understand you because we've lived it. It's hard to battle with insurance companies. At Element, we work with all size providers from single BCBA startups to multi-state large organizations. What's our advantage? We're a billing and insurance company built by ABA owners for ABA owners. Make more money, gain more time, worry less. We help you. With your core ABA business, so you can do what you love. Find us online at www.elementrcm.ai.
4: I think it's really hard too to make sure that we're providing them like the best supervision we can, right? So I know that when we're in clinic, and myself, the BCBA's, we're, we're providing supervision at that in, in that moment. If it's over the if it's over the telehealth, over the computer, and something happens right there. It's so hard to correct that right in the moment because we're almost doing like a task analysis for our staff to then provide to the kids. And by the time that whole thing comes around, then we've lost the kiddo, right? So I think at the end, in those moments where things do happen, we want to, you know, model something or provide some sort of prompt. That's a lot harder because that lag time, right? And then, and then you almost lost that teaching moment for both the, for both the kiddo and our staff. You know, you can always revisit it later and have a team huddle later, but I feel like that's a piece that's, that gets a little bit sticky, right? So when we're here, just watch me do this or my staff will just jump in. It's a little bit more challenging. And then if you have to teach the parents, you know, how to, how to do this, it's a whole nother, you know, consideration of, of, should I put this in for like our team huddle later with the parents? Should I address this right now? Is it a... You know, if it's if it's an SIB or something that's more dangerous, how can I attack this right now? But like through the computer, it's it's really hard.
1: Yeah, um, I, I know I know, Robin. I'll give you a chance in just a second. I just want to jump in and say, like, do you guys think that these are skills that we could learn, or that we could adapt to, or that we could figure out how to make those changes as we evolve to more of a like the virtual world, it, it, is this something that you guys think might be possible? We just need more time to, to figure it out or, or there are there some true limitations here um, that lead us to have that important, like have that in-person time as well? Like, I mean, we we know there's a lot of research out there. There's like all the, the you know, um, the tone, you know, the tone of a conversation, the body language, things like that. Um, are hard to read, especially when you're seeing someone from like shoulders up, you know, that kind of, you know, and you're not really getting to pick up. Cause I think as BCBAs, we, we pick up a lot of this extra detail that we might not even realize we're doing anymore. And I think that kind of part of that comes with that experience that you were mentioning earlier, Jennifer. Um, but I don't know, like, what do you guys think? Is this something that we, we can adapt to that we can change and like, how would we, how'd we do that?
4: I think we have to adapt to it right and we have to make these changes but it's in which way right do you work on it through a telehealth perspective do you say you know next tuesday we're all coming together we're going to discuss x y and z that happened during our session and we're going to model this together we're going to do role plays together right and see if this happens the next time it, it's just it's just an added level of learning i guess you know from from our side from the rbt side from the kids side from the parents side from all the players in this game right now it's it's a brand new skill right that just really was thrown on all of us because we were doing things up until you know the same way for for many years up until covid was you no know, going telehealth and so again we didn't and we just didn't have that learning piece so you know, some kids you can kind of jump in. Some staff you can say, "Yeah, you're, you're you've done a great job. Take the wheel. We'll 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 have a huddle about this later. You know, we'll recap. We'll role play it later. We'll we'll reverse the role, reverse the tape." But I, but I think it's finding that that sweet spot, right, right in the middle of how we can teach it. Because I agree with you, I don't think that it's going anywhere, but it's got to be used the right way and appropriately. the parents can't just say, "I want to do telehealth because I can't get them to the office." So that it can't be that crutch either. Rural um, yeah. areas and you know immunocompromised kiddos. I totally get. So I guess that's why it's this topic today, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. I do think
5: you can. Oh, sorry, Brooke. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I do. I do think that we can learn these skills. Um, there's been several moments. Um, as I've been doing this, that um, after Jose Martinez-Diaz passed away from FIT, it was, like, crushing to me because I had learned so much from him, and there's been moments where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to know what he would say. I want to know so bad what he would say about this because I feel like he would be able to, like, guide so much, and so I think that we can learn. I think that the programs like FIT, you know, all the other programs that, that are popular and people... Um, take to get their PCA, I think they are going to have to integrate it that mm-hmm. they're gonna have to create courses right um, especially for the new ones that are coming that are coming out um it's gonna have to start there that's like gonna have to be the first step
4: yeah, great. You, know, yeah,
5: great. I, you know I definitely learned through a lot of trial and error and um, while you know it ended up positive I, I really only had a very you know very few negative experiences you know, that I was lucky. I mean, honestly, like, I feel like I was lucky. Um, but learning by trial and error is not the way to go. Right. So I really wish that I had had, um, yeah, like a solid, you know, course and not this Google of like (laughs) how to make telehealth work. But I do think that we can adapt and we can learn, but it has to start, um, at a very structured, you know, you know, place.
4: Oh, I was just saying, implemented into into their coursework, right? Which I think, Which I think is a great start. Now, like we, now like we, we have so much say into what the next coursework is going to be for the upcoming BCBAs, right? But maybe that is a strong point to say this is where this field is kind of moving to. There's got to be a course on it somewhere, right? Because else, like you said, Molly, really, we're Googling everything and how to provide ABA telehealth and a million different things populate. So maybe we, we start we start petitioning there. We start saying,
3: of course, we're telehealth. I did any and all webinars I could find during COVID and afterwards. And if I saw a good one, it was helpful. I sent it along to um, some of our BCBAs. And, I, and I, even one of my um, my cousins, she's a speech pathologist, and she um, taught me about using boom cards. So it was like, mm-hmm. it, it took like three times as long. She said like an hour session for her would take three hours in preparation just to get the, the card set up. And we would do it some when we could, if we had time and if it was a learner that would work well with, but you know, it's, it's a learning curve. I don't think we use it much anymore. Um, but it was definitely a resource for when we were having the the RBT's doing remote themselves. For some kids it worked better than just like holding up cards and having them touch it and, you know, find out from the mom if they did the right thing or not. (laughs) And I'd say from our standpoint, we, we saw both like good and bad sides of, of telehealth. So like, um, you know some of the negative sides we saw, like R- RBTs that might have had like a tougher kiddo on their caseload, and if they happened to be a newer, le- more, less seasoned RBT, they had a lot more voice concerns and and complaints and and struggles on the front end um, as they were kind of transitioning into that role of having to do things remotely and having a, a supervisor who was remote, or maybe the supervisor or BCBA was um, immunocompromised herself and didn't feel like comfortable going into the home at the time, or you know during times when the family would be quarantining for weeks at a time um it, it caused issues with um the rbt not feeling supported um and we would have issues with like ethical considerations of like the efficacy of the the procedural um models being put in place correctly like you might have a learner that was um maybe more busybodied and would run off the the screen so you couldn't see him maybe trying to implement something and you'd be listening in the background which couldn't necessarily see all the things and you weren't sure if they were actually employing the behavior program and the behavior plan appropriately in that moment, or you weren't able to see the data to t- collect the data appropriately on your end. So when that, that kind of happened. I even had um, one family that one time the mom's like, who's that? Who are you talking about when they were talking to an admin staff about their BCBA and they didn't even know the BCBA's name like they because the, the BCBA had been doing like remote supervision, remote parent training, but like the parents was were kind of flaky and would cancel a lot with the with the parent training piece, and so we realized quickly that we had to get them in there somehow, um, or change BCBAs. Um, so I, I think we eventually changed BCBAs on that case. I think she like she struggled to be very engaging, um, but I, I think um, that was one hard piece. I think on that end. The fact that someone actually didn't know who their BCBA was—I was like, clear, that's a big red flag. So um, we're not doing something right there. Um, so we had a lot of hard lessons learned about like how to support people, how to make sure they knew what they were doing, ensuring that the you know technology was set up correctly, that they knew how to log back in if they got logged out, and making sure the parents you know were willing and able to do what they're supposed to, and make sure they're not you know trying to go back ways and do. Uh, non-HIPAA compliant kinds of videos and stuff just because it was easier, <laughs> you know, something like that. But, you know, one good good thing is we did have a BCBA that came to us from the West Coast and she was like in the trenches during COVID doing all remote stuff. And she taught us a lot, I think, when she moved in like, and came with us. And she still does telehealth for a lot of parent training and um, supervision. And she does a really phenomenal job of it. But she doesn't do it all. It's, it's the lower ratio. But she does it more than any of our other BCBAs because she's really good at being effective with it. Being engaging with the parents, you know, being very engaging with the texts um, during their sessions, and being very helpful and hands-on as much as you can be from a remote position, and it allowed her to like get in, you know, with parents that have busy work schedules and that aren't willing to sit there with you and talk for an hour, you know, at the house. They might be willing to have a 30-minute conversation at the end of their, you know, um, lunch break or something. Um, so for parents that have busy schedules, the I think the parent training remote was really helpful for them.
2: I would say that when I was a therapist, I would have killed to have my 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 BCBA or my supervisor be able to to because it was all in home. I would have loved to have that instead of having to after my session call my BCBA or supervisor to say, "Hey, this happened, this happened, this happened." So for, for me, that was this this was a very positive. I do think we all kind of are hitting on the same thing. It's going to depend on the you know the how seasoned your staff is how I do think that you it's going to be dependent on your BCBA or even the parents. You know, you can have a very great, meaningful conversation in 30 minutes remotely better than you can in an hour sometimes. At the end of the day, I will always die on the sword that I do think face-to-face and just being able to have those types of interactions is always going to be, at the end of the day, the best way, potentially. But I do see that I do agree and believe that there is a place for telehealth As long as the motives of the telehealth are for the right reasons and that's to to truly be sure that we're healthy and it's not just out of convenience for everybody because the minute it turns into a convenience factor is when everything stops being effective and and ultimately the client will be the one to suffer yeah I mean
1: that'd be my thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very well said, you know, as in anything, like your, your intention behind something is, is super important. And, uh, just like really making sure that like your intention is there and in line with, with the code, right. With the ethics code, like making sure that you're able to do, but, you know, as you guys were talking about, you know, training and learning how to pivot to, to being able to do this, um, telehealth and like, we should start putting it in our coursework. And also, like, I, I had this thought that popped up about, like, okay, well, should we be shifting how we currently do things in per, in person and make it work virtually? Or maybe even there's a way to think outside of the box and there is a different way to tackle this completely different way, like, virtually, right? Like, cause maybe we're, like, trying to make this very in-person thing fit, you know, online, right? So I don't know, that was just that thought popped up. Um, but, I, but I agree, I think that if um, the in person, especially when you're when you're with young children, um, especially, you know, there's a lot of research out there that shows, you know, a lot of screen time may not be the best thing for them. Um, but I like so the direct service piece. Um, yeah, I it's definitely like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, in person. Um, but, but I do see where there is a lot of pro there's a lot of, um, can be a lot of good out of being able to do, um, telehealth supervision and in parent training there, you know, if, as long as we're, you know, really mindful and we have that right intention, um, for sure. That's so that as well said, Jennifer. Um, does anyone, I, it's kind of a shortened, um, Session today, since we uh we gotta got a late start, we had some technical difficulties. So I want to be mindful of everyone's time, but I also want to give you guys um a chance to kind of see like final words or anything moving forward. I uh, bef- before I do that though, I will say I do feel like it is you know super important for us to make sure along with intention that we have the right skill set to be able to provide these services in the format that we're providing. And I know there's um it, it's really been a big push for remote BCBA work. And so um, I just urge those of you who are like new to the field um, to take into consideration, like the skill sets. And, and if, you know, working more of a remote type job is something that you're really looking for, there's nothing wrong with that. Just really what skill sets are needed. You know, what, what experience can you gain? What um, training do you need to be able to work your way up to that type of position, um, knowing that there are, there's a lot of nuance there with like the, the shift. So I don't know. I'll open it up to you I guys for your final talk talk. thoughts. Clients who partner with Erica's Billing Services maximize their reimbursements while increasing overall profitability. Our team of experts is experienced in all areas of ABA billing and can help your office whether you're an existing practice or a new startup. We bill claims to the insurance company for services of ABA, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. We submit authorization for initial assessments, ongoing treatment, and routine visits. We like to help ease this burden on providers by offering benefit checks. We call to follow up on claims that are not paid, denied, or stuck in processing after 30 days to make sure these claims are worked until they are paid. We provide account receivable reports to help show providers exactly where their financials and claims stand each month. Find out more at ericasbuildingservices.com.
4: One piece that keeps coming to my mind is the parents, right? And like the stress that this whole piece put on the parents too, because we're training them also to, to essentially be behavior therapists within their own home and not wanting them to lose faith in us, faith in their kids. Um, because they taken a huge part two at the beginning, right? right? So, these seasoned BCBA's, we hope, we hope right? right, have have attained these professional, you know, professional ways of discussing these things with parents. But if you're, if you're not so much, you're not so used to talking with parents, training parents, kind of recognizing their facial features when they start to get stressed out, that's a whole other level because you don't want them to start losing faith in. ABA is a field, but in in your team and the ones who are helping your kids, so it it is a huge, huge balance, I would say. I
5: think in regard to um, a couple things, um, the you know idea of training the parent, like in my mind, one of the reasons I didn't train my parents um, was because I did feel like there was you know that ethical concern because essentially, right, they become they would almost become like your employee because they're, you know, you're, like, trying to direct them, and, like, um, and, I, and I have thought before, um, cause I, you know, I get so many calls with people that need services, and and um, also online, if they find my name, I'll get some requests, and, like, can you just do telehealth, and I'm, like, well, it doesn't, you know, really work like that, I have to have a staff member, because, you know, I do keep the direct care there, and then I do the supervision, so, but i I have thought, well, like, would that work? Um, I've thought about, like, would would we or would I require the parents to take the courses and almost, you know, even become an RVT, But then, where does that? Where does that work? How does that work? Um for me, and you know, I have refrained from doing that because I just can't see in my mind what it looks like. Maybe if somebody else has done it, I you know, I don't know, maybe they can share their experience. But um I think that it would be great if they would went through the training. Um, but I think yeah, it kind of is a it's a hard place. Um and then in regards to the assessment, because I also have seen a lot of people asking. For uh, telehealth positions oh, only, only to do an initial assessment and start writing treatment plans. And um, for me, I will do the first initial meeting, which is a one-hour, you know, talk, and then I do all my records review and stuff. But I can't do the final, you know, part of the assessment until I go in person. There's just absolutely no way. Um, there have been times where, if I know it's a little bit more complex case, I will ask them if I can do. Um, an extra hour or so and like almost be a fly on the wall um, if they have the technology. A lot of my families don't have the technology to be able to do that. Or they don't have the home, right? They don't have a home that um, is conducive to me being able to see everything that's going on. Um, And so it it is nice in that sense for me that it's kind of in a wave, right? Like, well, I can bring you on, but we're going to have to do, you know, this part of the assessment for finalize it until I come see you guys in person. Okay. So that part is, you know, some, definitely some, like, there's some concerns there for me because I'm like, how do, how would I finish a assessment, um, fully remote? I guess the only other thing that I have not tapped into really is having, um, if I had an assistant, if I had a mm-hmm. BCB or a BCABA that could help be my hand, you know, my hands, like. And we could be working on doing the assessment together. But then some funding sources will pay just for the BC ABA to do the assessment too. You know, so um, then I wouldn't really need to do that. Um, I do have lead RBTs, and I thought I have thought um, about having them do specific things. I did go in person and I just didn't get exactly what I needed because I, you know, parents only had a set, uh, set amount of time or something. Um, I have thought about doing that, but I, I haven't done that yet. Um, but I do have a lead RBT that I feel like would be competent enough to do that. So, yeah, the appropriateness of the assessment definitely something to think about I think a hybrid more of a hybrid thing if you are going to do telehealth more of a hybrid thing is definitely um, maybe not the best solution but it's better than I mean really because I, I don't know how many people actually do if it doesn't require you know a very um, strict you know FA uh, you know how much time do we really go into the client's home do we stay there for four hours do we break it up into two days do we you know sit there for four hours and take data and work with the child I, I mean You know, no, that's a lot for the kiddo. So um, for me, I think that that could be, you know, one solution, you know, as we go. Um, It will be interesting to see as things go on what the insurance starts to do. Because, yes, in Washington, we don't do the direct, you know, stuff. So um, what the insurance will end up doing, saying, like, no, the assessments can't be telehealth at all. Like, you can't do any of that
4: which is also kind of the I word. That's what keep coming up to me. Is like the I word, the I word, the insurance word, are they, yeah. oh, right. they going to approve like a full, a full telehealth assessment, you know, because we have some neuropsychs that try to do it, you know, in New York or whatever. And, some insurance companies won't even take their reports, you know, with an ASD diagnosis. So, Mallory, you said the I word. I was trying really hard yeah. to be uh, saying well,
5: it. Well, <laughs> I mean, it will, be, it will be really interesting to see what they yeah. do, right? Because, um, I mean, really, when you do a review, right, we're not doing the records review right in front of the family, right? We're not doing it right. there, stay so in front right. of the family. So, technically, some of that already is, in quotes, you know, telehealth or remote work, um, right? Which, I mean, that's that's there. I mean, doctors do it. You know, there's always stuff behind the scenes that you're working on and doing that contribute to, you know, the direct services. So it will be definitely be interesting. I think, yeah, maybe a hybrid model will work. Um, yeah, I think that was kind of all I had to say about, you know, anything else that we had um, discussed. And, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what it, you know, where it goes. Um, I'm here for the. I'm here for
4: it. <laughs> I think like okay, that. Wait for you to lead a course on it, Mallory, and I'll I'll sit in, I'll in, sit in, in, in on it. it. <laughs> cool.
3: We'll make okay. that the pre- nice skills. I think there's definitely like ethical considerations, like what Mallory was talking about. Like it's harder with an assessment to do like the modeling piece of things. Um, like that's hard to do. And it's all vocal when it's all vocal, and just kind of it, it might not get the same results, um, and you might not have the same. Um, structure you would have in like a regular assessment. So I, I can see why that would be hard to do fully remotely. Um, and also like um, like the avoiding harm thing I think is a big piece of like um, ethically with the, um, with the kiddos we work with. Like if we have a kid with severe behaviors and is it ethically okay for us to not be there to help hands-on show the, ther- the RBT like what to do in this situation or the parent what to do in this situation. Like, I, I can see, like, with a super remote family, I mean, I, I used to drive years ago, like, four or five hours for a client that might have been a Tricare client that <laughs> was nowhere near me. Uh, I mean, I don't do that anymore, um, but uh, work-life balance a little bit there. But but I, I do see the benefits of it, but I think, you know, we want to make sure that we don't risk, um, you know, I, I doing telehealth with a kid that has such severe behaviors that, we run the risk of them, you know, getting harmed or harming the parents or harming the therapist because we aren't actually there to, like, show them hands-on. I mean, some workarounds might be that they could come into the office and meet with you separately and get the training, Um, or you can have, you know, a hybrid model where you go in, you know, three times a month and once a month is telehealth, you know, that kind of thing. So at least it's more heavily weighted where they're getting the the full-on support they need and then the telehealth can be you know more of a um smaller piece of the puzzle um but and definitely also you have to consider like that we always have to check the insurance all the time the i word (laughs) because um we've had we have not all of our insurance companies you know are approving um telehealth anymore i don't think any of them allow for the one-on-one rbt remote um sessions anymore but even during covid like we'd have um, telehealth would be approved and then it wouldn't be approved the next month and that you know so we had to like any of our cases that we do regular telehealth with we have to ethically make sure that we're you know looking at our contracts make sure that nothing changed to make sure that the client's you know benefits didn't change um it's not as intense as it was during covid when like it was month to month you know and they sent out a press release like oh this this insurance company is changing in april and it's no longer going to be approved and then april 7th comes around I'm like okay we'll give you you know three more months of telehealth approval and Know, stuff like that. So I mean it's 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 a weird situation, but it's one of those we have to kinda stay on top of, you know, long term too. I, but,
0: I, I'm curious um, about like, do you feel that this may already like especially in home, RBTs that already feel isolated mm-hmm. with supervisors coming every week or every couple of weeks, would would this would telehealth make them feel even more isolated? Um, and would that increase turnover? Would that yes. you know
3: for me, it did. Like for us, it did. Like if if the the RBT was um, maybe a, a, an RBT that was center based before, and they moved to us to be home based slash center based. Also, um, I think several of them struggled with that difference and not having the day to day support of like walking down the hall and being like, hey Jennifer, I need your help with this kiddo, or using the walkie talkies and saying you know the code word and getting people to come in and rush and help you. Like being in the community is harder yeah. and it is more isolating. So. Just from a social standpoint, it does, you know, it requires a lot more effort on, your, on our part to, like, make them feel engaged, make them feel seen, make them feel heard. And also, um, you know, the ethical considerations of, like, when we're more remote, um, you know, like, I had the issue with them not knowing who the RBCBA was. But that same family, like, they tended to look to the RBT to ask questions instead of, like, the BCBA because they didn't see that, that them as heavily weighted as far as the roles were concerned. And the day-to-day person, the behavior technician was who they were looking to for answers, which, you know, we try and address that in training and stuff, so that's not an issue anymore, but, like, um, you know, every once in a while it'll pop its head up, you know. But, um, but you want to make sure that even if you are doing telehealth, that you're ensuring that you're um, engaging with the families, that you do meet with them in person some, um, that you do um, try and have an engaging conversation with them, and you're not, like, all flat affect and super boring and, you know, boring them, you know um all these things you know doing wrong or correcting them left and right you want to find ways to humanize um what you're what we're doing um and find a way to make it more appealing to get the buy-in for aba especially if they're a new family to aba um and you know make sure they feel supported and not kind of isolated in
2: all sides i think i love i always love these these panels because you come in with one mindset and then you start listening and you talk to everybody and you're hearing all these perspectives. And so your mindset either grows or it kind of can change. I think the thing that I think one of the things for, that is cool to think about is we don't have to have this figured out tomorrow and that we, this is evolving. And, and as long as we're, I think if all parties are taking part in these decisions and how this can look, and it's not just the, not just BCBA's or, or the ABA industry by itself saying, well, this is now what we're going to do. You, you have to, I mean, we all know, we all know ABA, we all know the negativity surrounding about ABA. The last thing we need is for us to come in and say, Oh, sorry, this is what we're going to do now. I think that as long as we're, we're staying in contact with our clients, and we're staying. you know, keep listening to their perspective as well being reasonable and understanding what is the goal the end goal here is to help the clients right and so as long as it's not one one part of the pie dictating to everybody else what this is going to look like this could become very successful and and help help the kids support your staff you know it, and get the outcomes we're all looking for, and keep the insurance companies happy. I mean, let's just be honest; we all have to say the I word. They, you know, <laughs> that is a big thing to contend with. We have to keep that in mind because let's just say the insurance companies come and say, absolutely, under no circumstance are we doing any at all. No parent training. No supervision. Well, what does that look like then? So you have, so you have, you have people coming in wanting a remote job, and it's like, well can't pay you because I can't get paid for that. So right. there has to be an, a, a, a dialogue and a lot of advocacy going to the insurance companies showing this is effective. We're seeing these types of things because at the end of the day they have to have the buy-in just as much as the client and the field, you know, us as the industry do as well. So it's not going away. We all, we all know that. It's just now how do we work to make it be effective and successful to the clients, to the parents, to our team, to our, to our BCBAs, to everybody involved, you know, so that would just be my kind of ending statement on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: All right. right.
1: Well, thank you all. All right. I guess we'll end it on that beautiful note. Um, well, thank you guys so much for joining us today and I look forward to next month. Thank you. See y'all later. Have yeah. a good
0: day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www3 pysquarecom